paid for it through jail time, paid for it through indentured inhuman servitude. Don't like my attitude? Don't like my attitude? You won't be silenced by the most came from you. I write for myself, but I find that many expressions of self are performative. And I know what I'm playing with, and what I'm playing with is ideas, and, uh, and the reality of, of performance. I learned a lot through the process of seeking, thinking to myself and thinking out loud. And sometimes an idea may come that is stanzed in a way that makes me go, ah, should I write that down? That film came about uh, soon after I moved to Paris. I had just taken my daughter to school, so I had just moved to Paris. That, that only happened for like six weeks. And, uh, and, uh, and I was coming from, from there and bumped into a guy in Champs-Élysées who ran up to me and said, um, hey, aren't you, uh, my friend just wrote a movie for you. And uh, he's in Senegal right now doing pre-production, but then he told me that he was going to New York to try to find you. You're here in Paris? I was like, yeah, I live here. He's like, can I have your number? I need to give it to my friend. Um, okay. I gave him my number. I got home maybe two hours later. I got a call from a production company saying I'm calling for this director, Alan Gomis, who lives in uh, France, but who's in Senegal doing pre-production. It's true that um, there's a film that's been greenlit and that was written for me. And, uh, and they would like to know if I'd be home that evening because Alan was going to call from Senegal. Uh, and also, could they come in the next morning um, to give me a copy of the script to see if I was interested? So uh, I got a call from Alain, who didn't speak very well English, and he was like, yes, I wrote this film thinking of you. Uh, uh, there was a, you know, uh, I didn't understand much. And then the next morning, these two producers arrived with this script, and they were like, it's written for you. And they, I saw the script as an actual script, and then I looked in the back, and there was a picture of me. And I saw the papers from the CNC, which is the French state funding films and what have you. And he says, yeah, actually, we got greenlit because he lied and said you had already agreed to do it. But <laughs> that was crazy. And so I said, well, I have to read this script. What amazed me about the script was that it looked like a novel. It wasn't a lot of text. I mean, it wasn't a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of text, but in like novel form descriptions. And I thought it was amazing. I realized that it was, you know, a character that was seeing stuff and he was describing in the text what he was seeing and, and all this. And um, I handed it to a few French friends, like, is this as good as it seems to me? They were like, this is amazing, oh my God. And so I agreed to do it. Running down a dark street, after I got a flashlight, Nike swoosh on bare feet, Whitney Houston's crack pipe. The greatest love of all, watch me rise to watch before, contemplating rent is late and ounces that I can't afford. Show my I was already writing about a lot of the topics in the film, and that kind of freaked me out as well. 
I had just uh, finished, or was just finishing the recording of my album, Volcanic Sunlight. And there were also, uh, I was working on a book of poems that I was editing, an anthology that I was editing. And uh, I wanted to, uh, one, as an actor, right? I was super excited about the opportunity to act without words, you know? And uh, especially it being me, someone who seems like they're always talking. And so it inspired me uh, in many ways up to the point of where I am right now. I began working on this album while I was doing that. It, 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 in fact, I guess it inspired this album and this whole multimedia project, Model Loser King, because I was in the mind state of, remember the first time you went to Senegal to spend time there, to live there for a minute. Um, my album was finished and I was on to the next one. I think the idea may have come while I was in Senegal, perhaps. frustrated or angry or just moved in one way or another by the browsing of that timeline and, and or a conversation or a book that I've read connected to a conversation, connected to a song that I've heard, connected to an article that I browsed, connected to, you know, like it's a cocktail of things and, 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 and I feel um, whatever, uh, angry, inspired, imaginative, it depends, you know, but I'm, I'm taking in things, I'm reading, I'm watching films, having conversations, hanging with friends, talking to, you know, like all these things, and like I said, sometimes an epiphany, some idea, I don't mean an idea like, oh, I should do this, I mean an idea about life, I mean an idea about something that's happening or that could happen, a possibility that I'm entertaining. I don't remember who said it, believe nothing, entertain possibilities. And there's always uh, some idea or thought. If you place a bookmark in everything you say you've had one stream of consciousness since you were, you know, four, and you place bookmarks and da da da, then you come back and move that bookmark and go further. It's a stream of consciousness, but that can also be contained within a concept or a structure it would be. And, and so what do I feel? Uh, at the end of the day, I, I begin to feel excited, you know? Like, a lot of times, like with this stuff, I'm driven towards the music first, so you ask me about ideas, but the idea may be a sonic idea or an exp a sonic exploration that leads to an idea. And the music, the music triggers the idea. The sound triggers the idea, connected to, connected to, connected to. So I started writing poetry before I started actually writing music as music, programming beats or whatever. I'd written raps, I'd rapped a lot, but I never made beats. Then I started writing poetry and around the time that I started, even before I started writing poetry, I'd gotten into drum and bass and trip hop and, and I was on the cusp of poetry when I encountered artists like Tricky or Massive Attack or Portishead. I don't know, Goldie, or it was so, you know, it was that moment where it was like, and when I got into drum and bass, I was completely, you know, like Ronnie Size and Crust. When, when I got into drum and bass, I was uh, 
I really felt like it was the drum roll to the millennium, you know? I was like, yes, music sounded like exactly what I thought it should sound like for the time period we were living in. I was like, that's what the fuck I'm talking about. Hell yeah. And I remember when I finally went to other music and found Tricky in New York. The only album they had was Nearly God. Yeah, actually it was hard to find music at that time period, right? So I found Nearly God and I heard that because I had already been upset and disillusioned by what was starting to happen with like mainstream, the idea of mainstream hip hop versus the underground was also born around that time. Before that, all hip hop was underground up to a certain, you know, like there was a few, whatever, Beastie Boy, whatever. You had to listen to that radio station to hear anything that sounded like that. And there was a variety of stuff that they played. But then when the gangster thing and all that started becoming more commercialized, suddenly the backpacker, the underground, the, the raucous, the, all this stuff. And that's around the same time I'm listening to drum and bass and trip hop and discovering like, this thing and I heard that and was like yo I mean between like Portishead Glory Box which had me on some like forever and ever I, I mean like I was so I mean for example I can I remember to this day the day that I was hanging with most death Yasin Bey in Brooklyn I was like you gotta come to my house you gotta hear this right and I had, this is like my, I had the pleasure of having this experience, which is inviting Mostef to my house. We were poets together and you know, all this stuff, you know, and saying, you got to hear this and playing him Portishead Dummy, pre-millennium tension, because we lived in Brooklyn. And at that time, everything in the street was Biggie, Jay-Z, Buster Rod, you know, like the Primo, there was a sound. And when I heard that sound, I was like, have you heard this? I also played in New York, homogenic. And I'm like, this is hip hop. And we had this big kind of playful argument. We was like, this isn't hip hop. I'm like, this is hip hop. <laughs> this isn't hip hop. Cut to a year later, sharing a taxi back to Brooklyn with him after some performance and him rolling down the window and him singing like, state of emergence. And I'm like, oh, when did you start listening to that? You know? And, uh, and, and uh, I always wish it was a recording because it was beautiful to hear him sing that. That's, to me, that's the anthem of my life. That's on the particular Glory Box. Yeah, I wrote a book called Glory Box that I never uh, released, or I changed the title and changed the story. I never released the thing that I wrote, but yeah. And the first time I came to Bristol was with DJ Crust and Ronnie Size to record Coded Language. We recorded that in Bristol. That was my first trip, and already then, I was like, I feel like I'm visiting the South Bronx. You know what I'm saying? Then, I was already blown away by the music that had come from here. Whereas, breakbeats have been the missing link connecting the diaspora community to its drum-woven past. Art has no form. The ideas are more powerful than the performance. That great writing is also based in great reading and read, you know, and, and, and to speak. Maya Angelou says something beautiful. She says, 
anything an artist writes should be written with the urgency of what they would write if someone were holding a gun in their mouth. I remember reading that and then maybe at some point I heard that Wu-Tang song, uh, Triumph. And who was that? Is that Ghostface or Rayquan? It was like, that's amazing, gun in your mouth talk, verbal foul, connect stuff. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Life of the womb reflected by guns, worship of moons, I am the sun, and we are public enemies number one. One, 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 one.